Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Carbui, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website at carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that Apple, Spotify, Acast. Today, I'm speaking to Anna Shakespeare, who is the CEO of Pubble, and we're going to talk about her leadership journey and the role of Pubble in supporting the community and voluntary sector over the last 30 years, because Pubble are celebrating their 30th anniversary this year. So first off, Anna, maybe if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your career journey to date and the role that you currently do in Pubble. Okay, Dermot, you're probably aware, but maybe not everybody's aware, that I'm a nurse by background, that I've worked in disability and social care for 35 years before I actually moved to Pubble. And it was really important for me coming from my most recent role in St Michael's House as Chief Executive of a large disability social care community and voluntary organisation that I moved to an organisation that had a purpose, that had values and that saw the worth in the community and voluntary organisation. So for me, part of my journey has been not necessarily a vocation, but certainly an interest in making a difference in supporting individuals to be their best selves, in supporting an organisation to be its best iteration of itself. And I would certainly see that that's part of my role within Pubble and what I would like to achieve while I'm there as Chief Executive. And Pubble is is, is quite a, a large organisation and is involved in a lot of um, programmes and supports, but for those listening that may not be familiar with Pubble, maybe give us a sense of the range and depth of Pubble's activities. Okay, well, as of today, Dermot, Pubble's engaged in supporting government and other agencies in the implementation, administration, management, evaluation, data and analytics of 41 programmes. And each of those 41, on on behalf of seven government departments and the special EU programmes body and the probation service. So we're currently involved in programmes that are that broad ranging. For example, my my own parents would have been involved in the seniors alert scheme, which was the the tab bell that you pull and that somebody rings and, and contacts you and makes sure you're safe at home. So something as practical and as simple as that, that's implemented by local volunteer groups were involved in that, all the way through to some of the... The programmes that are, not that Seniors Alert isn't of national importance, but the reach of the National Child Care Scheme, the Early Childhood Care and Education Scheme. So the two years of free preschool pubble are involved in the, the funding and the implementation of that policy ambition of the Department of Children. So a very broad range, the Community Centre Investment Fund, the Social Inclusion and Community Activation Programme, Healthy Ireland. I mean, we're involved in a lot of programmes right across government, our most recent programmatic involvement with new government departments to Pubble that is have been with the Department of Transport, Zero Emission Vehicles and Community Climate Action Programme. So the lens that we bring to our programmatic work is from our organisation, our board, our leadership perspective is what will bring value, how will that support that local community, how will it support community development in its broadest Irish context and how will it support our social inclusion mandate and agenda on behalf of government. So that's very much the lens that we bring to our programmatic work. And it would have been primarily delivery as opposed to policy or would you be involved in policy? We're not involved in policy at all, Dermot. Government are very clear that that's not our role. But what we do is we use the data that we capture and gather the stories, so PSYCAP stories, you'll see that on an annual basis, case studies, 
to inform government policy development. So to, to demonstrate to them what's working, what's not, to use tools that we have at our disposal, like the Public Deprivation Index, where we bring a lens of social inclusion and deprivation So with this finite funds allocated by government to a particular programme or a piece of work, that it targets the areas of Ireland that are in most need of that. that. So the resources are allocated using a methodology that is supported by the deprivation index. So that evidence base is very important and collecting the data to provide the evidence to allow the policymakers make better and informed decisions. And, And guide their decisions in that way and support their decisions in that way. But we're very clear, we inform policy. We provide evidence that might push policy in a particular direction, which, you know, government has a stated ambition around evidence-based policy being part of its work. So that the outset that published 30 years, and it has evolved over those 30 years, what has been the key shifts in focus, or has it been doing all of what it's been doing since it started out, or has it been particular new areas that have, you've taken on? Oh, absolutely. So, so Pubble was established, as you, as you said, 30 years ago. And it, at that point in time, it was to act as an intermediary for the European Union on behalf of Europe to provide funding to government, to the Irish government, and to oversee its implementation. I, I think Ireland has come a long way from that place, where now Pubble has developed a, a skill set which relates to programme design and specification project management and implementation, grant management and administration, and we have a lot of toolkits to our our armoury. Our job is to implement the policy decisions related to the programmes on behalf of government. And I think from a community perspective, from an All-Ireland perspective, we always bring the social inclusion lens to the implementation ask or the programmatic ask from government. So we look at it through the lens of social inclusion, through the deprivation lens. So how can we support government to make a decision that allocates the resources fairly and equitably, that targets the most disadvantaged communities? So we've we've developed the suite of tools that we use to, to nuance our work and to bring a level of not just professionalism for the sake of professionalism, but professionalism professionalism in the context of being able to demonstrate to government the worth that they can bring to the local community by implementing things in a particular way. As I mentioned, over the last couple of years, well, more than the last couple of years, we've expanded in the context of the work that we do in particular for the Department of Children through the National Child Care Scheme, through the Early Childhood Care and Education Scheme, which has the potential and is potentially delivering transformative effects to children and communities right across Ireland and families. The ambition behind that whole policy agenda being that every child, no matter where they live in Ireland, has the same quality early learning and care experience to level the playing field from a social inclusion perspective. So think of the power of that. Those children are our future. The Social Inclusion and Community Activation Programme, very much a flagship programme of the Department of Rural and Community Development, our lead department, and the impact that that has on targeting, you know, 13 named groups of individuals, travellers, Roma, people from Ukraine now, people seeking international protection and accommodation services from, from, from Ireland refugees, individuals whose experience has been intergenerational unemployment, trying to target those individuals and make a big difference. It just shows the amazing remit that you have mm-hmm. and, and, and the different areas. One particular area that I, I would have seen 
in recent years is the, the, the increased focus on the whole area of social enterprise um, and, and, and Pubble are quite an active player in that space. What, what sort of areas in terms of promoting social enterprise would Pubble be involved in? Well, social enterprise is one model of support for community development and it certainly is particularly a mechanism for individuals who might be distant from the labour market to to begin to work as part of or as a staff member within a social enterprise. Um, so let's let, let's think about Corja Enterprises, for example, down in the, the southwest in Limerick, where they support individuals who have a criminal past, a criminal history, to begin their journey back into the labour market. People within the travelling community have reported difficulties in accessing mainstream employment and having that doorway into beginning to work within employment and then moving their career onwards. So I suppose... And and from my own experience, men and women with disabilities often find meaningful engagement and employment. They're starting places within a social enterprise, but then growing that skill and moving that forward. I suppose the challenge for social enterprise is very much, certainly if you think about the community services programme that we operate on behalf of the the, the Department of Rural and Community Development, is is the need to generate income. And that isn't always possible. And for some communities, that creates an even bigger hurdle and a bigger challenge. So I think community development and community development programmes as a social good and in and of themselves demonstrate social impact. But the community services programme is a model that kind of builds on that um, and creates other opportunities and opportunities for individuals, particularly from marginalised groups who find it difficult to enter into the labour market uh, to start their employment journey in that way. And I, I'm aware that it is one model, it's Absolutely. not the exclusive model and um, we, we, we are very grateful to benefit from the, the, the community services programme and there has been restructuring of that and people refer to, is it all going to social enterprise? But the, the new programme recognises the different strands and different mechanisms which I think was very reassuring for those that are involving providing community services that Yes, it may be challenging for you to have a, a trading income because of the environment you're in or the services you're providing to marginalised groups. And it is recognised that that's part of, part of the programme as well, which I think it was important because it was a concern beginning to because, you know, you know so is this new shiny toy, social enterprise? But it is just one. And I think that that's, that's, that's important because tackling social deprivation requires a whole range of interventions and, 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 and uh, approaches. So Absolutely. And, and as you're aware, the Department of Rural and Community Development are reviewing their social enterprise policy um, and um, it, I suppose it's a real opportunity to to engage with it in, in, in that way to show what works and what doesn't and what areas of Ireland might need support and development. Yeah, it is, and I think I was had a previous guest talking about storytelling. I think a lot of things is being able to tell your story about what you're doing and the impact is a very important part of that. Um, for, for policymakers, and you, you have a role in telling the stories from the what you see, from the evidence you collect, the data you collect. But um, you have you have a good overview of a lot of things that are happening in the sector, given your your role and as I said, the range. Are there particular areas? I said these are very exciting developments that we, we're seeing happening in in the community. And I know it's difficult to pick out a few, but but sort of as examples of the sort of exciting things that are happening in terms of. Communities, organisations, tackling big issues in their in their areas. 
I, th- I think the Healthy Ireland Fund and knitting it together with the Sláinte Care Integration Fund and the concept of healthy community and the growing of that thinking and that and that model of thinking, I, I, I certainly believe is something that's very exciting to me because that speaks to, if you think of the Dublin North East, East Inner City Project. It, it speaks to all the different programmes and projects and funding streams talking to each other more. And not necessarily for the purposes of eliminating duplication, but ensuring coordination. And I think coordination is certainly a role that the local development companies and the LCDCs have, have always played, but it's building on some of the solid foundations that they have built um, to create this one-stop shop sort of strategy for the for, for for the area and how we're going to develop it. So I certainly think joining the dots in terms of many of the different programmatic elements, um, such as that northeast inner city project, and I know Department of Taoiseach in particular are are, are not only interested but heavily invested in that as a way of thinking and a um, a way of implementing and moving programs forward, particularly in areas where there is extreme disadvantage and and moving with that community and supporting that supporting that community to be empowered to move itself forward but also to get some of the infrastructure some of the professional support some of the funding supports and um, that link all of those pieces together so let me give you the the four examples so it's that there's good quality early learning and care and school age childcare for the parent who wishes to re-engage with education or wants to start their journey into labour market activation whatever that means to move them and that family family unit then from a place of intergenerational unemployment perhaps and experiencing poverty and disadvantage to a place um that brings them to maybe a different reality in 20 or 30 years time it it, it takes a village it takes a community to produce that sort of change and that that whole coordination does take time and effort because yeah. you know there are pockets of good things happening in an area and sometimes they don't have the resources to go beyond that because that's all they they they, they have the capacity to do but having somebody looking at the different component parts and seeing where the synergies are where the cooperation can happen and the collaboration can happen and then you can you can have a leverage of that and I think is this something that the plan is is to sort of replicate what, what the learnings from from the northeast inner city well, that's my understanding. It's it's a project under the Department of Taoiseach, which certainly resonates, I think, with the community and voluntary sector, the community development methodology around, you know, supporting that community to improve itself, providing them with support and infrastructure, providing them with some funds, joining up the dots in terms of what's the overall plan for this locality, and that the different actors, and I'm talking about the community and voluntary organisations themselves, working together, collaborating together and seeing that, you know, there is no turf wars in relation to um, money implementation or even ownership of the aren't we doing well, um, that it's seen as something that's owned by the community itself. Yeah, and and I do think there is a great sense of want want to cooperate in it and and, uh, there there isn't this turf wars a lot of the times it's resource constraints that prevent things from happening and so if you have that sort of holistic approach to um, helping that integration I think helps because I know you know if you're if you're a small organization to free up somebody even to attend a meeting can be a a resource issue for for the organization so okay what do I stop doing while I'm attending these meetings but those meetings are very important in terms of getting communication building relationships getting sense of 
what others are doing and how we can tie into that. So, but it does take time, it takes resources, and having somebody that's coordinate that is a very, very important, important role. You'll be very familiar, as you said, from your own lived experience uh, in in the sector to now a, a key support role in terms of in the sector of the community involvement sector. From what do you see as some of the the, the big challenges or the things that they, they face? Or I, I know, and we probably you could be talking all day on this, but from you, some of the what, what are the biggies? Um, I think there are uh, look financial sustainability reporting certainly continues to be a challenge and some of the proportionality around what's being asked of 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 providers i certainly think can be a challenge particularly for the smaller providers financial sustainability and trying to balance the books when you might have 17 different income streams for example from different small grants um, and then meeting the reporting requirements of those different funders i would certainly have direct experience of of the challenge that represents I think the other challenge is very much, as I spoke to it, the, the, the last uh, point is is collaborating effectively with others and creating that time and space to do that because the the power of together is much stronger than the power of operating within your silo and your comfort zone and trying to create opportunity and creating that time that you mentioned there for opportunity. I certainly think that that's a big challenge. I keep reminding people about the, the profile of the sector. In numbers, it's huge. In terms of organisations, the non-profit sector is thirty thousand, charity sector eleven and a half thousand, but the vast majority are very, very small organisations. So, compliance is a burden, but it is a necessity, and we we would be Carmichael's role is to help and to promote good governance and good governance practice. But we do recognise that it it's not a free activity. It takes people's time, it takes resources, and I think is there a shift in thinking that recognising that to get that information, that reporting, which is so necessary for your role to be able to feed back to the, the, the funders, that that we can't just pay for the frontline delivery. We also have to recognise that there is a accounts team there, there is a communications team, there's a whole range of others that are a part of that story of that delivery that needs to be recognised and, and, and funded. I would certainly not disagree with that view. I'm, you know, came from a large Section 38. Our compliance reporting requirements were huge. I understand. I've had lived experience of it. I certainly think from a funding perspective, it does need to be recognised. I would certainly believe that there is room in the... I'm not going to be able to tell you the name of the report. I think it's the report of um, the review group into voluntary agencies. It was chaired by Catherine Day in in 2018. So the Catherine Day report, if we can call it that. I think there are lots of recommendations in there that if they were taken on right across government, we have the opportunity to um, and I know that some progress has been made but I think more progress needs to be made in relation to the implementation of those and that that more joined up approach towards um, reporting um, and information and um, compliance uh, is is taken on board and also the essence of the relationship as well you know so it's sometimes that that's that's a thing I've seen improvements but there is still that sort of you know um, client master sort of thing we give you the money so you know you know, the, but rather than seeing that you are partners with us in addressing a, a need in in society so i think covid has helped recognize a lot a lot a lot of um in say we'll say government recognized oh if we didn't have a strong vibrant community and voluntary sector we would not have been able to cope um with the challenge that covid brought in now with, with you know with the ukraine and all of that we, we need vibrant communities that are in 
engaged and supported and, and, and get the sports that they need. So I do see that. And I do see also progress in terms of in your own things like the, as I say, community service programme is very important to us, but the, 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 it used to be three years and now it's a five-year income stream. The certainty that it gives an organisation is fantastic because we know this is, we can plan, we can work around that rather than on the annual funding cycle where you're saying, can we make decisions about whether we employ or we expand because we don't know what the allocation is going to be or whether we're going to get the allocation. So I think those are positives um, and I think more and more to see that where possible, and I know Deeper and the Department of Finance have been resistant in the past to sort of for multi-annual funding because it, it commits them. But I think a lot of these programmes are well established. They're not going to be suddenly taken down unless there was a weakness or uh, they weren't delivering. So I think that is important, that that certainty of funding, because it's difficult, difficult place to be if you're a CEO and you're looking ahead for the coming year and you're preparing your budgets and if there's so many question marks over funding streams. Absolutely. So I suppose maybe to go back to a couple of points, I think the pandemic and covid um, while it was a traumatic experience for many, um, sadly, I do think it it prov- shone a light on the essential nature of the community and voluntary services that are provided right across communities um, in, in, in Ireland. Catherine Day's report talks to that concept of mapping essential services and where they are and then commissioning them so that there's a very very clear um, arrangement in place around what's been asked for what's being paid for to your point around the annual battle around um, what's my budget for next year we can't deliver that service within that budget and we need a budget that's x percent bigger so it provides maybe a, a different playing field where those negotiations can happen and it is that and I think part of people it's, it's a complex process and there are d- different actors so uh, and I know it's like Pobble only can work with the remit they've been given by, by the funders um, and then I, in a previous time I was chair of a disability organisation and the, the funding battle with the HSC but they would say look we only can work with the envelope of funding we get from the department yeah. that's the department can only get from approved by the department of finance so there there are, there are a number of things that are involved um that can make it complicated I, I do get that but i think it's getting the sense of having those discussions that we need to think three to five year cycles as opposed to a, a, annual events and i think there's been a shift happening but it needs needs to accelerate you said Pubble is 30 years on the go. Where do you see it going in the next five to ten years? Or, or is, is it stick to the knitting and doing what you're doing? Or do you see that trend of evolving um, and, and taking on new, new, new responsibilities continue? I'm, I'm not sure if your listeners know that Pubble is not a state agency. So we are not, we're not established under statute. We're a private not-for-profit, registered charity, company limited by guarantee. So our employees are not state employees. So I think it's important to sort of set out our stall. And we operate programmatically. So we're funded through the 41 programmes and we charge an administration fee for the implementation or management or whatever it is we're being asked to do for those programmes. And that's how we fund our operation, as in the staff that we have. So from Pubble's perspective, our future is somewhat cast in the programme for government. 
programme for government mentions an agency called uh, Childcare Ireland, a childcare agency. And as I think I've mentioned, uh, Pubble has a large role in the operational delivery of the funding and the infrastructure and the, a lot of the work that goes on in the background on behalf of the Department of Children. And we operate as part of an entire early years operating system. So there's Pubble, there's the City and County Child Care Committees who play the, the very much the, the, the local and regional support to early learning and care providers. Um, and then there's Tusla who provide the inspectorate um, for those services. There's the, uh, the HSE um, who provide environmental health for example there's the Department of Education who come in and look at the quality of learning the Ashtar and Shielta curriculum Uh, but from Pubble's perspective we're just one actor in that entire system and when this new agency is formed by government it'll be interesting to see what impact that will have on 400 plus of our staff within Pubble so that's that's very much something that's there out in the in the background of us and when we were writing our strategy for 22 to 26 that was very much to the forefront of our mind because government had declared its position it was going to create this agency so for us as an organization that's intrinsically linked to our future and we operate better start we host it on behalf of the department of children again that's very much a quality development support access and inclusion model support um for early learning and care providers right across ireland so that that's kind of the unknown and it's outside your control you can the decision will be taken elsewhere but you you can feed into it and um uh, and outline what you do and what you can you can do with so with it. but i think i think one of Pubble's great assets has been its ability to change to pivot to bring its skills to different things and um, I know I've spoken to you previously about the concept of the national funding platform as being something that Pubble is very interested in in working with um, and is currently in discussion on the concept being around a government post box where you apply um, through a portal for a grant and um, it alleviates and eliminates the, the reduces certainly the reporting burden on providers if that information is captured at the back end of this platform. So when you're putting in an application, if you're already on the system, a lot of it feels a bit pre-filled. Uh, absolutely, but it presupposes that um, there's agreement right across all the funding agencies and government departments that they all agree what... Um, not an employment and uh, education and training person looks like. Are they 15 to 25? Are they 15 to 29? What is a young person, um, for example? So it'll require a large change management piece to, to run alongside it. But I certainly think in, in terms of joining some of the dots up, it's an opportunity um, that we could work with government to, 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 to bring to that place. I think it would be very very valuable resource to have I'm just talking from talking from the other end of applying for grants but also reporting on those grants if that, that, if that can be streamlined and that you don't report the same information multiple times to different ages or, or variants of the same type of information well that, that, that would be the ambition and the other part of the ambition using our stated vision for social inclusion is is very much that Government can then bring its lens to the transparent understanding of where all the grants are going to, and making decisions then about where more money might need to flow into more deprived areas of Ireland. You, you know, to, to, to be honest, sometimes 
grant applications is, a, is, is an art and a science. Um, some people are really, really good at it. Some communities are not. And I'm really interested in the communities that are not interested in, or not able, maybe not have the capability or and intimidated capacity. by the process. Yeah. yeah, frightened by the process. How can we support them? Um, where are those areas of Ireland and what can we do to build their capability and capacity so they're as successful as some of the more successful ones in achieving their grant ambition, you know? I, I do, and I'm filling in some of those major ones. I feel, you know, we, we're a resourced organisation. We have experience of doing it. But if you were doing it for the first time or if you had very limited resource, it's a, sometimes these applications are quite, quite comprehensive and they're a big ask. So I would would welcome anything that can make it more accessible, particularly for those organisations that are outside, or feel outside, or feel excluded because of the bar seems to be a bit high for them. And so there would be a welcome development. Um, in terms of because again, there's been a huge shift, and I'm, I'm 12 years in, in 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 the sector, but I've seen a huge shift in greater awareness of compliance and governance and good governance practice. Um, where do you see that in terms of public? Because public will be at sort of the front end for a lot of, of dealing with organisations that may not sometimes have the best governance systems in place or are struggling to have good practice in place. Do you see public having a role in that or is that back to the funding departments? Or It, it, it certainly would be caveated and driven by some of the funding departments so you know when we're agreeing a programme we agree with that government department what the reporting requirements look like and um, what the compliance requirements and follow-up might look like um, so it's it's ultimately down to the individual government department I think what Pubble can do and what we do is um, we provide support for many agencies as a development coordinator who works alongside them. Um, for example, in our early learning and care services, we have our integrated case management service who works with uh, providers, predominantly community-based providers rather than the private providers who maybe are struggling with some financial sustainability, might need some business planning and mentoring support. So we certainly do provide some of those services. If I was to wave a wand and say, what would I like Pubble to do, but we may not be resourced to do it, is to provide something similar to the, the Better Start model of service, where we go out and we literally work with providers to improve their service offer, to hold their hand in particular areas of Ireland where they, they might have capability and capacity Restraints, as, as as you've mentioned there, I would like us to be able to do that. Um, and working towards agreeing that, I suppose, is certainly something I'm very interested in. And from a public perspective, my lens in, you know, coming to work every day um, at my corporate induction for any new staff member, you know, they're, they're asked to do a number of things. They're asked to turn up every day. They're asked to be brilliant and to focus on making a difference and to, you know, think about if the shoe fits. So if you were that person on the other end of the phone, if you were that individual looking for assistance and help, how would you feel if you were treated in a particular way? Um, and you know which way is the best way to support an individual or a provider or an organisation. Um, my experience in the community and voluntary sector of nearly 40 years is that most people are there to make a difference. Most people are genuinely interested in wanting to um, improve the lot or improve the community or to lift a burden from the individuals who, who need support. Um, I suppose 
the, the, the days of people just simply doing that are long gone because of the different pieces of legislation that are now in place. And I certainly think, you know, the work that you're doing in Carmichael um, in partnership with TUD, um, you know, that trustees training programme, I think the work that Helen Martin and her team and the charities regulator are doing about that progressively pushing charities in a, in a particular direction is, is really positive. And I think initiatives, again, by ourselves, like the Good Governance Awards, and that focus on telling the story and using your annual report as the vehicle to do it um, is is so positive. You know, money for the public good, philanthropy for the public good, the social impact that you have made. Um, I just think those types of initiatives are the sort of things that small companies should um, really focus on. Yeah, and we, we, as I say, we do a lot of trying to get resources out there but our, our, our experience sometimes is people need that little bit yeah. of hand-holding the yeah. guidance because it can be a maze it can be intimidating and, and you, when you look at the say the good go, the, the code of go, good governance and people said it's very complex and so well what part would you take out you know which stuff would you stop yeah. doing and, and it is you know it is good practice and so we would emphasise, look through it and say, apply it to your organisation. But it's that sense of fear sometimes, and they look at it and say, this is too complex for us. But I said, break it down into small pieces. I'm, I'm Next week I'm doing a series of workshops down in Munster with the volunteer centres, but they're meeting community, small community and voluntary groups. And a lot of times it's just somebody to tell them, this is what you do, or this is where you can go to get that help. Because we, we are advantaged in terms of we know our way around the system but not everybody has that sort of that um, map that can bring them to where I can get support, who I can go and talk to, where, where the resource is. So I think it's constantly that helping uh, in, in the sector, the mentoring, the guidance and the hand-holding, they're, they're important parts. My question I ask all my guests is, you know, the, the, the magic wand quite a question, what would be your, like, where would you like to see three wishes for the community involvement sector in the next five years? What would they be? Um, I stayed awake last night thinking of this question in advance um Dermot and I certainly think the 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 essentials of the recommendations of the Catherine Day report to have seen some of those progressed and implemented um I would also feel some mechanism to demonstrate the social impact not just quantifying how many volunteer hours, the social impact of the work that you do. And I certainly think embracing the Good Governance Awards and telling your story um, is that something that more and more uh, community and voluntary organisations would engage in. And the third thing I would like to see absolutely is multi-annual funding. I certainly, from lived experience, know the challenge of trying to plan on a year-to-year basis. And in particular, when you're delivering, to my mind, essential services, it's something that increasingly, when we have national strategies, uh, they need to have a multi-annual funding base um, alongside it as well. Those, those I would echo all of those. They're great wishes. And I would just pick up the social impact one because... We are in the business of trying to help organisations, but it's this wonder about telling your story about what you do and the difference you make. It's so important because that helps open doors that might not be have opened to you in the past. So if you can be good at recognising, you, you might be doing good work, but if nobody knows about it, I mean, if you can't show the difference that you're making, people might 
may not pay the same attention. So it's one I would say, oh, say the reason for the governance award was to improve the quality of the annual report. The reason for the annual report is that's your mechanism to tell your story. And what we're seeing now from the judges that there's great organisations, but some of them are not really good at showing the difference they make, what impact. We know they're great organisations, but we have to dig it out and try to make guesses. So I think it's making it easy for people when you're communicating to see the importance of the work that you're doing. So, and this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time and thank you. Thanks, Dermot. Thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating, as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts. So until the next time, slán go fall.